Glory to God. Well, aren't you glad you returned the stolen property? Some of you got it. Amen. Amen. We're bought with a price. Amen. Not our own. Praise the Lord. Love the Lord tonight. Amen. I appreciate Him. Been so good to me and our family. Greetings once again from Babor Gulch. We've been down Florida way, got real cold in Missouri, but we escaped from there for a little while, had some things to do down in Florida, so um, it was welcome though, it was warmer down there, <laughs> and uh, looks like everything's back to normal now, tornadoes and hurricanes and stuff like that going on. But uh, so we're thankful. Sonia and, and all the children greet greetings from them. And uh, we'll enjoy our visit on our way through. We're just thankful. We have uh, good Christian friends. It's important to have good Christian friends. Amen. Amen. This time and hour we live. Amen. Um, it's just perilous, but uh, we've been down preaching uh, University of West Florida Monday. I was over there in Pensacola preaching and spring break down in the Redneck Riviera. Y'all know where that is, right? Panama City Beach, Florida, and uh, quite crowds there. Good preaching, good. Man, fights broke out. It was great days. Amen. Wonderful. Sure, normal <laughs> skull dragging day. Amen. <laughs> it was good. We had engaged the law and engaged sinners, engaged everything. So we're grateful. Maybe we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, we're glad. So keep praying for my son Colton. He is lost and he needs to be saved. He is lost. And, um, you know, the devil will jump your bones for stuff like that, especially, you know, especially when it comes to your family, but continue to pray. Amen. Don't quit. Um, God is still on the throne, no matter what. He is still king of kings. So we're, we're, we're grateful. We got some work we're doing. We'll be doing some preaching. Might. Just have to talk with you about that little journey you're making there to uh, Mississippi State. That's right up my alley. Amen. So, uh, yeah, sounds good. Mississippi College, brother? Is that in Jackson? <laughs> good. Amen. I need it more than Mississippi State. Yeah. Praise God. So we have opportunity to teach at OBI, and 
set the record straight in some of these poorly doctrinated and indoctrinated students that come in up there. Some are good. They, they love the Lord, you know, I mean, good testimonies and all. And, um, but that's where we're at. So that's why we're here, and that's where we're at, and that's why we're here. Amen. So God's got a plan, and I'm, I'm want to be part of it, and I'm glad. Praise God. Good to see you, folks. God loves you. God loves us. God, I, I love the Lord, and I'm glad he, he cares about us. He really does. So, so I've been praying for Brother you and Brother Bob. We just, we're going to continue to pray. And uh, praise God. We had to come down pray for my Paul-in-law, Sonia's daddy. He had a little heart attack, post-COVID stuff. He's a lot better now, but he's, he's uh, pretty come from a pretty rough, tough kind of feller, you know, background. So he's he's doing pretty good. So uh, we're all helping him do some work over there. So thank, thank you for your prayers. Amen. God bless you. Matthew 24, 2 Peter 3, 1 Thessalonians 5, Luke 17, Psalms 27. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Matthew 24. Amen. Second Peter 3, 1 Thessalonians 5. We will, I'll repeat those. But first, Matthew, we'll start in Matthew 24. And um, we want to preach here tonight on the thought, escape. want to preach on this thought, escape. Amen. Matthew 24, verse 35 and 36, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Verse 30, uh, rather 42, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And verse 44, therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Second Peter 3, verse 1 through 4. I'm sorry, we'll uh, go ahead and do Thessalonians right there. First Thessalonians 5, and then we'll turn right to Second Peter. But we'll look at First Thessalonians 5, verse 1 through 4, or 5. The Scripture says... But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that 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 day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And in 2 Peter 3, verses 1 through 4, we're actually preaching out of this. It was sort of a theme, and it seemed, should be the theme of a preacher, really. You know, we're always reminding people. You always remind Remind, stirring up, and reminding. 
Peter said, this second epistle, beloved, notice that, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Father, we thank you for your word here this evening. In these next few moments, Lord, we're not bringing to you, Lord, some rotting fish or some stale bread that's moldy, Lord, but the bread of life, Lord, that we're breaking from, fresh oil we need. And Lord, let it go out into this congregation here with great anointing. I, I need your help. I can't do this, Lord. I'm not smart enough, and I don't have it in me. But Christ in us, Lord, not only to preach but to hear. In this hour we live of peril. We ask you to give us ears to hear. In Christ's name, we praise you and thank you, Lord. Amen. Eschatology is a complex and a difficult topic at best. And eschatology just simply means the study of last things. It kind of maybe puts you in mind of escalate, you know, something escalating. This thing is crescendoing, if you will, that word toward the end, as things build toward the end. And so we're at the end times. Some people fear end time study a lot of times because of the complexity of it. There's a fear of that, of eschatology. And then some fear an end time study because it has been so abused and it has been so, uh, you know, people with an obsession with it to the place of even, you know, date calling, you know, 88 reasons and all that other nonsense that goes on. So you can see the reasons why some people uh, are, uh, would... You know, but we seek the truth on this. It's there, isn't it? We shouldn't fear either way. We shouldn't be swayed, amen. It's in the Bible. I mean, there it is, in the Bible. There's a reason, the greatest reason. We preach the whole counsel of God is another reason why we deal with end time stuff. And it has a purifying effect as well in the church. And, and most of all, I believe it has a great effect of warning warning to the unbeliever, to the lukewarm, to the lost, and, and even to the church, as Peter was writing, dearly beloved. Amen. Of coming judgment and eternal, you know, banishment from the presence of God. Amen. So when we look at the Bible, uh, the phrase, the coming of the Lord, you know, the camps, if you will, involve, of course, the secret rapture people and the, the pre-trib, the mid-trib, the post-trib, Jesus will come, you know, at the end of time and the amillennial idea that Matthew 24 has been fulfilled. I read a book, a fellow gave me a book on that one, and I read about two, two chapters and pitched it in the trash there, but um, enough of that. But, you know, Bible scholars in each camp just trying to give you that, and time doesn't allow for us to discourse on that. We're not here for that, you know. That's not the reason. Um, but 
I do know this, and every Bible believer and born-again believer should agree upon this. Now, are you ready for something very deep theologically? Jesus is coming. Amen. And he's coming at an hour that no man knows, not even the angels. And so this Jesus said that. He said that. Not me, not you. He said it. I read it, and he said it, and it's in red. That's why it's red, and it's in red. And so I believe that it's imminent. I believe it's at hand. I believe it's about to happen. I believe it's impending. I believe it will be sudden. I believe that it's going to be the return of Christ. The day and the hour, amen, that he could return, I don't know. I know, but the day and the hour is unknown, amen, in which he could not come as well. You see, we don't know either way, do we? True lovers of Christ, amen, are cognizant and aware of the time and the season that we are in. If you're a true lover of Christ, amen, then you are going to be ready to go. You're going to be prayed up, you're going to be packed up, and you're going to be ready to go at any given moment, amen? And this is sort of bivouac time here, you know? We're ready to go, and we're ready to pull up stakes. We're ready to be on the move, amen, in a moment's notice, and we trust Jesus Day by day, I'm trusting him in my life through all of this. And I, I, I trust that you are. And this is a constant expectancy, amen, of the believer in this hour that we live. Amen. In, in, in expectancy of his return in the faithful especially. In Titus 2 and verse 13, it says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of, our, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, looking for that. We are anticipating. You know, I'm not every day, you know, when I'm working, if I'm uh, on campus even or nailing a roof together or building a cabinet or doing labor, you know, and you are out doing your labor, it isn't where my mind is constantly, completely, although my disposition is. You see, it's a dispositional thing. My heart is fixed. My spiritual eye is fixed, amen. My inner man is, is anticipating and daily watching, amen, within my heart, amen. But the spirit of Antichrist is everywhere. Folks, it's toxic, amen. It shocks the conscience, amen. Even the unregenerate are taking notice in this hour we live. And I, Christian, anti-Israel, anti-morality, anti-authority. That fervor and that fever is sweeping the world, especially America right now, amen, and it's emanating from the devil, Satan, Slewfoot, Lucifer himself. The spirit will culminate, amen, one day with a bodily presence of an antichrist. He will desecrate that temple. He will take his place, amen. He may be living even as we speak, amen. But this spirit works through fallen man to implement the opposition. The devil works through individuals. The devil works through the government. The devil works through society, amen, and those who are members of society, amen. And also, he works through the apostate. 
and especially more dangerously, another spirit out there, another gospel, another Jesus, which is more deadly. You see, only the Holy Ghost and the true church in this hour is restraining this spirit from having full sway. And when it's lifted, amen, then Satan is going to bear his fangs. The devil is going, I mean, blood is going to fill the streets, amen, in the world. There's going to be unmerciful vengeance in our America. If you didn't notice, is very wicked. Wicked. We've been recipients of God's grace over and over and over again. Amen. History records Azusa Street, the Fulton Street prayer meeting. Amen. The Methodist Holiness camp meetings, and the list goes on and on and on, amen, but they're fading echoes, folks, they're relics of the past, amen, and the devastating reversals that are now happening, amen, are happening, and you just watch with the cancel culture, you know, they're not after all that other stuff, they're after you, they're after this, and they're after me, that's what they're after, this church, that's where that's going for sure, and so we see, when it's lifted, amen, we're going to see this anti-Semitism is accelerating, amen, a hatred for God's people, amen, seemingly unopposed in this hour, amen. Jews are vilified without cause, amen, amen. I'm, I'm, I believe it was prophetic that the temple thing was moved over there and, and uh, under the previous administration there, under Trump, amen? But Christianity is grossly, amen, mischaracterized in America, no doubt. I mean, it's bludgeoned by the world, for sure. Homophobic, haters, vile, I mean, while filth is, is just exalted and paraded, evil is called good, good is called evil, profane is holy, holy is profane, everything in the name of free expression, everything in the name of civil rights, amen, and a host of other stuff and, 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 and current events that are happening. Why? Because the devil knows that Jesus will soon rule in righteousness, amen. His hath, he hath but a short time. In Matthew 24 and 8, amen, experiencing the beginnings of sorrows even right now, a time of trouble, Daniel said in 12 and verse 1, as never was since there was a nation even to that time. Amen. Notice with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and, and, and the wording there and the list and a host of things there that Paul wanted Timothy to know some things and he wants us to know and us to be reminded of some things that these are character traits of men. Amen. And that should be enough to prompt us. Amen. To the Great Commission. That should be enough to prompt us. Amen. And hasten us. Amen. For the return of Christ. Hasten? The return of Christ? Maybe in a moment we'll get in that. And so messages on the return of Jesus, amen, that have redeeming quality, that have a purifying quality about them, mostly to warn, as I said. It said in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 4 and, 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 and prior to that, that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us precious and exceeding promises that are ours. We see that the present grace that we have through Titus that is for this present world, and it's making it possible in the here and the now to what? What Peter said, 
to escape the pollutions that are in and the corruptions that are in this world. And so messages, you know, it used to be the evangelist and it used to be the preacher had a stirring message. You can't hardly find any kind of, uh, anywhere on the internet. I haven't. If you have, let me know. But they're rare and few to come by, few and far between. Do you hear anybody talking about the return of Jesus? I'm not talking about splitting hair. I mean, we could go on about that after church. I'm saying just Jesus is coming. The Lord's coming back. It used to be, amen, the return of Jesus was preached. It was a stirring message. And it did produce godly fear in people, amen. It did produce an expectancy in people. Seldom do we hear it today. Amen. The apostate and the lukewarm, amen, the hypocrite, they have zero, zero. I mean, it might be in the negative numbers now, but they have no yearning, no looking, no hasting for Jesus' return. We've heard this for years, Brother Matt. Everything continues. Listen, folks, I was on Pitt University up in Kansas. Amen. It's been a few years ago now, but I haven't heard it. I mean, this is a day where he quoted right from where I, where 2 Peter 3. We've heard this, Brother Matt. Cross the quad. We've heard it for years, and he hasn't come back yet. What a mocker. Scoffers mock this message. Why? Because they walk after their own lusts. Where is the promise of his coming? Because they dread this message. The very thought of their life ending and having to face judgment day is so frightening they willfully ignore it. Sinners and hypocrites want nothing to do with a message about the return of Jesus. Isaiah 33 and 14 says this, The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell in devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell in everlasting burnings? They're afraid. They fear this message. They ought to. Matthew 23 and 33 says, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? There is no escape if you neglect this so great a salvation. There's no other way. That Jesus will come in judgment is most frightening. Amen. Sinners, amen to sinners. So they mock the idea of standing before Jesus to give an account, amen, in their consuming lust versus a consuming fire of God that will destroy everything. Every ideology, every worldview, everything will be made known on that great judgment day. Every motive, every intent, every purpose will be exposed on that day. Because there's a hatred for this book. There's no fear of God before their eyes. They flaunt their sin, and yet they mock. Your church has powerless. You know why most of the church is powerless? Because they didn't count the cost out there. Most of them haven't. Other than counting up the cost of their little ice cream socials or whatever they're having. See, the focus is not on Robert E. Lee statues, folks. It's not on the Lincoln Memorial. It's not on the Constitution. It's not on the Bill of Rights, amen. I mean, that, that's the head fake, right? You know what that is. That's the smoke screen, amen. And it's a total obliteration of this. 
the apostate, the Congress, the government, the courts, everything. They hate fundamentalism. They hate Holy Ghost-filled people. And they hate them in every nation and every kind and every kindred across the world, seven continents. The Christian is hated. Only the single spiritual eye can see this. Lamentations 3 and 51 says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. What we're seeing is affecting us, isn't it? It's affecting us. But people are blinded because of the rampant lawlessness in this hour. Pastor mentioned earlier, mockers and the apostate, the backslidden. What are they crying? What is the voice coming out of that camp? Things continue. Things are continuing as they were in the days of old. Listen, folks, I don't think so. Things have gotten worse since 9-11. I mean, the Great Depression and, 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 and Vietnam and, and any other event you can think of in, in, the, you know, in, the, in the past history and all that, that's just a mosquito bite, amen, compared to what's going on. Amen, abortion, AIDS, that's riots, corruption, SARS. You look at Ebola and SARS back then. Look at COVID here that's been, you know, all the stuff, the rogue nations and the, that, the list goes on and on of the disasters. Most glaring, it is the apostasy that's out there, the deception right alongside everything that's going along. Amen. He's delaying his coming. It's a cliche anymore and a well-worn one at that. Jesus is coming. I've heard this, Brother Matt. Do you feel that way? I wonder if you feel that way. Jesus is coming. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, with us who proclaim it and those who've heard it and those who even know out there. Listen, folks, it's becoming threadbare. It's not just a campus Kids screaming across there, you know, about, about you, you know, ranting and screaming on a campus and a university setting and others to oppose a message. But the silent screams are coming from the church pews in our world. Because the cliche is threadbare. You know, it's Peter crying wolf. Is Peter crying wolf? Apparently to some. Folks, it's just a big, Ezekiel knew all about this now. It, it's showtime. You know, let's get ready to run. It, entertainment central, comedy central in this hour. It's just a performance on a stage. Look, look at Ezekiel said, also thou, in, in verse 30, 32, you don't have to turn there, Ezekiel 33, you probably read it, you know where I'm going. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another, come here. What is the word of the Lord? And it goes on to say, you know, they came to sit before you, they heard, they didn't do, they gave lip service, there was no desire to obey, and he said, thou art unto them as a very lovely song. We've piped all day, we've preached all day. And this is what it's come to. It's a performance to them. To us, this is life or death. We know better. Ezekiel knew better. 
Amen. It speaks of a spectacle in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We are a spectacle. And that just simply means we're theater. It's theatrics to people. We're the filth. We're the offscarring. We're the fools for Christ. Amen. Listen, you tell them Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Amen. You know what they're saying? We've heard it over and over again. Over and over again. Listen. What's coming, and it should be clear to everybody here that what is coming, God is shaking right to the very core everything that can be shaken. They're going to be throwing dirt up in the air, gnashing with their teeth. He's shaking everything. And what's coming is very dreadful. The book of Revelation records this. I mean, just look at the vials and the seals and, and all of that that's going to happen. Under Listen, I got any volunteers that want to stick around while any of this is happening? Anybody want to be around when the wrath and fury of God is poured out in the not too near future? For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Revelation 6 and verse 17. Now, God is long-suffering. God is merciful. God is patient. God is restraining. And yet the Holy Ghost is empowering his church in this hour. That's us, folks to convince a world out there of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of a willingness that none perish, amen, relentlessly, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, amen, God the Father, yea, even us pleading, amen, as we pray, as we preach, amen, revealing the truth, amen, to those that he will draw. As I preached at Pier Park here during spring break, down across the way here, in Panama City, Florida. I preached, and, and, and as I said, it was a normal day, you know. I mean, fight broke out right here between two factions. One was defending me, and the other one was fighting me. And so they got into a clash. Police came, and so we had a, we had a fight right there uh, on, on the boulevard. And, 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 and then, uh, uh, what, what's happening well, you know, people are getting convicted. People are having to deal with things, you know, that, that oh, I didn't want to hear this today. I came down here for spring break, and I don't want to hear you. You're disturbing my peace. Amen. That's what I came here to do, disturb your peace. I want to disturb your peace. And so uh, a, a couple of a, a lesbians come up. They were 22 or 23, and, and, and I rebuked them over here in this part of the crowd, and I'm dealing with this part of the crowd. And all of a sudden, I heard barking to my left, back over here, these two lesbians. And they were, without being prompted, without anything, and, and you know what dogs are in the Bible, right? Huh? Hmm? There they were, barking like dogs. I said, if you only knew what you were doing and how you were obeying the Scripture, and how your character and your lifestyle and everything you do is matching exactly your dogs. Your dogs. 
And then as I preached through all of that, there was one fellow by the name of Jason Ray, Frisbee. Frisbee. I think I spell it different. That was his last name. I learned. In the middle of that, Sister Becky, I mean, I'm preaching, 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 lifting my voice, preaching. And across, they call it Pier Park because there's a pier over there. That's why they call it Pier Park. And the pier fellows fishing out there. Bunch of people everywhere. And he come off the pier and he heard the preaching. And, he, and, and the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, you go over there and hear that preacher. He told me this out. Took his fishing rod, went back to his Jeep, put it, loaded it up. Come over for two hours, he stood there and listened. Bareback, just in shorts, bearded, you know, grungy kind of looking, but, but under conviction. And everybody left at the end. I had to get going. It was between church services. And I had to get there, get back for church that evening, Sunday afternoon, brother. And there in the midst of all the Holy Ghost, amen, convicted him. And I'm talking to him, and he's backslid. He's fallen away from God. He knew everything. He knew the Bible. I mean, this fella could be, could have got up there on the bench and took my place. He said, Brother Matt, I know we're not supposed to pray in public as per Matthew 6. Say what? I mean, he knew the Bible. I got a meemaw praying for me. I know what you're preaching is right. God told me to come over here and listen to you, and I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to die in my sin. I don't want to be in this stuff anymore. And he's texting me a couple times. Seemed like he's making progress now. And it's just a long story, but I, I did pray with him there. I felt the Holy Ghost prompt me, and we prayed. He prayed. I just sort of prayed along. But he texted me. What are you saying, Brother Matt? In the midst of all this wickedness, in the midst of all of this, God sprung one loose, amen? And he always will. He always will. Amen. He'll bring one out. He'll tell me, I'm driving home. Man, I'm shouting the victory. This doesn't happen a whole lot. Amen. Somebody, what is it? What's going on here? I'm telling you, it's Pentecost. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost convinced that man. It convinced those lesbians. It caused a fight. Everything happened. The Holy Ghost working through somebody. And that somebody's you and me. They hate conviction. Attempting to shake off the guilt and the condemnation. It happened with Peter as he preached. 3,000 got saved. They're beaten. They're arrested. Amen. Fear came upon every soul. Wonders and signs are happening. What are you saying? That is the end time message right there. I lived it. I saw it. You're seeing it. It's happening now. You say great worldwide revival? I don't believe it. It's great falling away more than anything. But it's the return of the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of John the Baptist. Read it in Malachi. Amen. The midnight cry, the final call, if I could borrow a term there. All nations will hear. Amen. Jesus is coming. And this gospel shall be preached. This gospel. This gospel right here. The King James Version of the gospel. 
That's the one that's going to be preached to all nations. And there'll be no excuses on that notable day. Amen. I remember the Ebor City kid with the anthrax shirt. You talk about pulling someone out of the fire or trying to. There he was in Tampa on the street going into a gothic club. And I remember David Lamb and I just dealing with him and pleading with him. It was like Sodom out there. It's an evil place. And we're trying. He's full of tears and just eyes are red. And he's convicted. We're dealing, talking, the Holy Ghost speaking. And he knew the way. He knew the way. He knew the way. You backslide, you'll probably end up there. You backslide, it's probably going to happen. I'm going to rip this thing out of the floor. If you backslide, that's what you got to look forward to. And seven more demons will come in. And it'll be worse than you ever dreamed. I've seen it happen time and time and time and time and time again. You got to keep yourself in the love of God. You got to keep yourself in the love of God. This fellow, we said, please don't go on. And as he walked away, it's just something changed. And he just started walking away to head to this gothic uh, grunge bar. And there he went. And I hollered to him. I said, if you walk away now and you cross that threshold, God may never deal with you again. And he turned around and he said, I'll take my chances. You fool. When God calls a man a fool. Now, the greater point here today, tonight, Matthew 24, 44 through 51, it's a wicked thought, and it's implanted by Satan himself to many people who claim to be believers. It's a vicious lie that the devil promotes, and it's just simply this, amen? It's the same lie that was promulgated in Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 19. For the good man is not at home. He is gone on a long journey. That's a true or the false apostate there. It has to be. This apostate Jezebel church has lied to every prodigal on its pews. And it says, be also ready in Matthew 24. Jesus told the parable about being ready. He said, be also ready. For in such an hour as you think, not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and a wise servant, whom the Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him. And in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall be appointed, or shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is notable that Jesus is speaking of servants here, supposed to be disciples. One is called faithful, however, and one is called evil. Why? One was found doing, the Lord found him doing. And the other said in his heart, listen, 
He said in his heart, the evil person, the evil servant, unvoiced, said in his heart. Amen. He didn't preach it. He didn't voice it. He just thinks it. He, he's conversing with himself. That's dangerous when you start talking to yourself. You're in a dangerous position. Amen. When you start talking to yourself. About stuff like this. Not just go to the Word of God. That's what it said. I believe it. That's it. Bye. Get on down the road. Kick the devil to the curb, man. It's over with. Right? No, what do people do? Well, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, it's over on this shoulder today. Yeah. And they listen to that demon. They listen to that imp. They listen to that stupid little idiot. And if you know what those are, they're little demons. Listening to them. And that's what happens, amen? They, 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 they didn't scream it out. They didn't say that, you know, the Lord isn't coming, amen? But they said the Lord delayeth his coming. That is what's going on. He's delaying his coming. Listen, that's what Lot thought. That's what happened, the very same thing that happened to Lot. The very same thing that happened to him. He lingered, amen? In fact, the Greek for the word delay is linger, linger, delay, amen? Tarry, amen? What is it talking about? It's clear, amen, how, what many people say, amen, by how you can tell the way they live and what they say, you can tell what kind of life they've got. You can tell, amen? So in the heart, and in their heart, and in their life, amen, they're saying, Jesus ain't coming suddenly. Jesus ain't coming unexpectedly. In my generation, there's no impending threat. That's what happened a lot, and he liked to die and went to... They're about us. Pulpits, Sunday schools, they're about us. They're near us. They're around us. That's what about us means. They're all around. They're on the job side. They're in campus organizations. Everywhere you go, especially in ministry, the people that continue therein will cross a line, I believe, and there'll be no more opportunity for repentance when Jesus returns. None. It's over. They're done. They've been dealt with. You say, disagree? I, whatever. I know God saves, but to have known and to have tasted and to have sensed and been in the middle of all of it, you know Hebrews 6, to have been there and experienced and then to walk away? And then to walk away? You are insane! I say this with bated breath now. Only the Lord can keep us. And he'll keep us if we want him to keep us. And that's how it works. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with Jesus. I want to be there forever. Let me move on here. They'll cross the line. And, and, and it's going to be... That, you know, that's why it makes it, this, all of this makes it perilous for the lukewarm. It makes it perilous for the pretentious. 
You know, Ananias and Sapphira were found out. Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, he detected that. Strong delusion is sent, and they'll believe a lie. No opportunity to believe, you know, or love the truth because they've denied that. And, and God will send them strong delusion. God will mock. God will laugh when their calamity comes. Oh, God will never do that. Listen, folks, we're at that time. We're in the time and season for that. I sense it. I believe it. I see it. I know it's happening. People are crossing over. They refused. And there's only a fearful looking of judgment. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 3. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. And you read that verse right there in verse 3. It's squished, mashed, right in between. The verse that says, amen, where Jesus is coming is going to be likened unto a thief. I read it. And the command to watch. Right in between the two. They'll say peace and safety. Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion, he said. Luke 12 talks about a man who said, soul, take thine ease, thou fool. Your soul will be required of you this night. Amen. What's this man saying? What is the church in Zion saying for the most part? He delays his coming. That's what's going on. Amen. He, he, he's in a holding pattern. I mean, that's what's happening. He, he'll never touch down. That's what they're believing. He's lingering. And they see need, no need for living holy and righteous. No need to follow peace with all men without which, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. They have no need in believing in a right relation with God. you got to be willfully blind to not see the raging apostasy that's gripping our nation. People falling away like flies on every hand. People alarmed. They're frightened. Yeah. And only the restrainer. Only the restrainer. They mock it, but there's restrainer. In 2 Thessalonians 2 and 7, Paul spoke of this, amen, of this, this, this subduing of this chaos by the church, the Spirit of God. I hope we're getting a handle on this here tonight. How important it is to pray. How important it is to be full of the Holy Ghost every day. The strainer is about to be removed. He's not always going to strive. He ain't going to. It's the only thing able to keep these floodgates from busting wide open. It's the only power holding the wickedness at back. And when it lifts, every institution is going to spin completely out of control. The mystery of iniquity, the lawlessness, that's one rendering of it. But that mystery of iniquity, amen, is already working. You get jail time in Sweden for preaching against sodomy. You get jail time in Canada, amen, for preaching against sodomites. And listen, folks, they ain't putting 
up with us in America much longer. And when the floodgate opens, this restrainer is moved. It's militant Marxism, militant anarchists, militant sodomites, militant Muslims, militant media, terrorists, and all will march the world over. And every holy thing is going to be despised. Amen. Every law is going to be freely broken. And worst of all, the backslidden churches, amen, are going to preach the most damnable, the most corrupt doctrine right out of the pit of hell. How much tribulation we going to need to go through, Brother Matt? I don't know. Probably much. Any volunteers? Is escape scriptural? Now, I'm not talking about a doctrine of escapism. You know how that is. That's flaky and dumb. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Just, you know. And as far as tribulation, 11 of the 12 disciples were martyred. And Jesus went through and they murdered him. So it's, no pun intended, painfully obvious what the answer to that question is. That through much tribulation must we enter into the kingdom of God in Acts 14 and 22. You say, well, I want to be first. I want to be first. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm just saying God, God will give me grace and he'll give you grace. Whatever, whatever's happened in the past, God gave me grace. Whatever happened to you in the past, God gave you grace. And we have grace, amen? Aren't you glad for grace? God imparts that upon you, and you are able to withstand and do what we need to do. Grace. Is escape viable? Is it possible? Revelation 22 says, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me, my reward with, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. In Revelation 22, it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Now that is the heart of expectancy. That is the heart of hastening. The Holy Ghost work on the earth is going to be dead and gone one or at least very much minimized. Very much when he pulls out. I don't know to what degree. It appears people will be saved still and only the Spirit of God can draw people at that point. I'm not sure about all that. I just know this. He said, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord. Looking for and hasting. Looking for and hasting. Looking for and hasting. And that just simply means in the Greek, to speed up, to urge on. And then, you know, I mean, looking for and hasting. In the historical record of freedom, you know, people were motivated with a desire to escape, to get out. I wonder if the names Vanderstock, Bergslin, and Mueller, lieutenants and sergeants here with the Royal Air Force, ring any bells? Well, them three, along with 73 others, escaped from Stalag. Uh, Luft III, uh, German prisoner of war camp, amen, POW camp, back in 1944. 
Amen. 76 of them got out, and with these clandestine, you know, um, tool, or, or, or rather, you know, the clandestine tunnels that they dug and the tools that they made and, and the, the incredible story behind that really happened. You know, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Those are the three tunnels they dug. And they found two of them, but they had the third one to go on. And they left out a Harry, every one of them on a particular night. Seventy-six got out. But only three got clean away. Clean escaped. And that's where Vanderstock, Bergslin, and Mueller come in. They escaped, and they clean escaped. They got back to Norway. They got back over there eventually to Holland. They dug their way to freedom under the suspicious eyes of the Nazi guards. And the devil is watching you too. He can't see everything. He ain't omnipotent. He can't be everywhere, I know. But we see eight of them were returned or 15 of them were returned, rather, to that Luft Three Stalag camp there. Eight of them were sent to a, concentra- or a labor camp. And 50 of those 76 men who escaped, Hitler hated it so much, he shot them dead, graveyard dead, killed every one of them, commanded, rather, it to be done. And you know, it's reported that the three that escaped was a moral booster. Am I taking too long? Hebrews 11 says we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, right? The moral booster that we have in this hour, amen, to go through this. We see that every one of these escaped from a prison house. Every one of these. I, I, and, and, and I could give you a bunch of others. I... I learned of, amen, that, that escaped. Some of them got out of, a, out of a box during the Underground Railroad. Some of them escaped from the London Tower, which was a prison. Some escaped, you know, from just escape, escape, escape. Escapes everywhere. Now, now folks, we know the Scriptures, amen, in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be caught up together at the last trump. We're not appointed to wrath. Except those days be shortened. No flesh is going to survive. And, and, and we know the scriptures, and they're there. And I have absolutely no trouble, nothing. I find nothing unacceptable with comforting and exhorting one another with these words. None whatsoever. Satan is mad. He's our enemy. And he's laying snares and traps for as many souls as he can get, and alarmingly, Amen. With an iron fist, he's just ruling through these antichrist spirits we've talked about. Awful judgments that are now being visited. Amen. What was in these men's hearts to escape? That desire for freedom. Awful judgments in our land today are only the opening scenes of what is to come. Oppressive spirits that are bearing down right now. And the Bible says that the earth groans even and travails over such. And so there's no time to delay. 
If you and I believe that America is racing toward this unrestrained chaos and Christ is soon to return, then, then my cry and your cry and our cry has to be aimed at the unprepared. Antichrist is soon going to rule with a murderous hatred out there. Even now, amen, multiple, multitudes are going to comply, amen, with this mark of the beast and everything that goes along with it. Those who resist are going to face persecution, torture, and death. You see, it's time for us to unburden ourselves. I'll read this verse here. As Jesus uh, was revealing about the future calamities coming upon the world in Luke 21, he inserted this specific warning to his followers. And take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. Now, that's not dereliction. He's saying consuming cares. Overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And there it is, that you could be accounted worthy to escape. Accounted worthy. Pray. Watch. It's not a coincidence that five times in Genesis chapter 19, verse 17 through 22, as in the days of Lot, and him trying to escape or escaping the coming doom and destruction. It said, and it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Hmm. Well, there was some pretty good audacious, you know, I would say, Escapes in the Bible. Moses and the versus Pharaoh and those Egyptians, you remember that? Paul over the wall. Jesus himself escaping crowds and mobs and Peter escaping from 16 Roman soldiers. Sure death there. Hebrews 11 says they escaped from the edge of the sword. And Jesus escaped out of their sight and out of their presence in John chapter 10. So much the so. For 26 years. The Berlin Wall separated East and West Berlin. It came down in 1989 under Reagan. But it was symbolic of a ruthless determination of the communist leaders to detain the people behind the Iron Curtain. But it's a symbolic also of a passionate desire of the oppressed to escape the repressive system. And so what happened was life and limb was risked during this time in the Berlin Wall for those 26 years. Hundreds escaped through barbed wire, 
steel, mines, guard dogs, steel enforcements, armed sentries with automatic weapons, and, 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 and just strict orders to shoot to kill. And they did. But the most daring escape during that time were two families, the Strelzik family and the Wetzel family, a total of eight people. And they devised this hot air balloon with propane and gases and however they designed it. They made this deal, and they sewed these gobs of these bed sheets and these curtains and these material. They stitched it all together with a sewing machine, and they made a homemade, you know, as I said, a gas flame device for inflation, and they, and they, they constructed a hot air balloon. In 1979, just in the nick of time, it went up in the cloud cover and dropped in just enough to get that family across. What, 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 what makes... Anybody want to hang around here? Did someone throw you a lifeline one day? need that thing. <laughs> a lot of people do that. Don't need that thing. You try to pull people up and out, they're doing a nose dive into hell. And you try to pull them up and out. I'm glad God threw me a lifeline in a flop house years ago. I'm glad he did that. Someone threw you one, and you escaped perilous conditions. I escaped dangerous conditions. I escaped a desperate situation. You escaped one. Aren't you glad for the way of escape? I don't know about you, but I'm glad in this time, in this present world we live in, God made a way of escape for me. I don't want to be here when the fury is pulled out. But we need to throw the lifeline to others as well, don't we? And we need to continue to do that, don't we? Don't some of throw it back in your face. I need your help. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5 and 18, to recover them from the snare of the devil. And in 42 and 7 of Isaiah, he says to those that are in the prison house to open the blinded eyes and to bring the prisoners out of the prison and them that are in darkness out of the prison house. Escape. Jesus sprung us loose, didn't he? That's ah, too elementary, Brother Matt. Really? Is it a wonder that the saints that have escaped in all, that we've, in all this, they find themselves in the presence of the glorious Lord, and they're upon the sea of glass and crystal, and they fall down before him and worship and cast their crowns before him? The throne. 
Revelation 4. And the redeemed ones out of this are singing a new song before the Lamb. Thou art worthy, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. There's going to be a lot of people there, folks. Not as many are going to be down in hell. I understand that. But every tongue and kindred. Are you going to be there? Do you want to be there? Or do you want to do like one foolish young man said? I hope the Lord don't come today. I was working on a dairy farm one time. Clouds, Armageddon. I mean, storms coming in. We got to get tools picked up and get in undercover. Here it comes, you know. And he said, I hope the Lord. I said, that looks like the storm of Armageddon. It's like Armageddon. That's how it's going to happen. I'm witnessing this. I hope the Lord don't come back. I want to ride in an F-16. Well, the devil will put you in F-16 straight to hell. Jesus sprung us loose once from Satan's prison. And I want out of here once and for all. And I want to get other people out. You see, Jesus enjoins us to take heed. How do we count worthy? Watch and pray. And we can say like the psalmist, our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are Spurgeon, how dare you mention him from this pulpit? <laughs> I don't agree with everything Spurgeon. He had some pretty good stuff to say, though. Noteworthy. And this one story of him on the streets of England one day, and he saw a kid out there with a, with a, with a bird cage, and he had a little sparrow, English sparrow in that thing. He approached him, just talked to him like he, you know, what you got there, son? Oh, I got me a sparrow. I'm, what you going to do with him? Oh, I'm going to play with him a while, and then I'm going to kill him. Spurgeon said, well, you don't want to do that. You know, I mean, so he talked with him a little bit, and he started bartering with him to purchase the soul of the sparrow, if you will. He went from one pound to two pounds, two pounds to three pounds. He said, no, 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 the kid, he was seven, eight years old, probably eight or nine, maybe a little older. There it was, no, 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 eight. Four pounds, no. Five pounds, all right, it's a deal. $6.90 American. Spurgeon gave him his money, ran off, went around the corner, opened the cage, let the sparrow free, took the cage to his pulpit at Metropolitan Tabernacle that evening and put it on the pulpit with the cage open. And he told his congregation, that's where some of you were, and Satan, he told them the story, and Satan was playing with you, and Satan was messing with you, amen, and, and, and bringing you, and then he was going to kill you. But Jesus set you free. Jesus set you free. And you know, who is man that God would even... Be mindful of him. Who are you? And who am I? We're focused on the work here, aren't we? Something far better awaits. And Paul knew that. Philippians 1. I'm about to close here. For I am in a strait. 
You know what a straight is? He was just in a situation, amen, that was characterized by a specific degree of trouble or difficulty. Dire straits. You know, straight is just where two seas come together, and one is larger, and one is smaller, and it's connected by a narrow passage. Imagine being in the middle of that, and they're doing a tug of war on you. Huh? Well, that's what Paul said. I'm in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart. Yeah. And to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Now, folks, everything, everything that's in an upheaval and in this state of disturbance is aimed at you and me by design. Let Uncle Matt talk to you for just for a minute. A minute. It's designed for us to, um, you know, prepare us. We've never known such spiritual conflict and spiritual pressures and difficulties, have we? And more to come, as we know it now. And, and, and it seems beyond measure. And, and, and what is God doing? He's, he's forging a vessel. He's forging a vessel. And the testing time is now. And, and what have I got of the Lord? What breadth do I have of Him? What height do I have of Him? What depth do I have of Christ? Am I an inch deep and a mile wide, or am I an inch wide and a mile deep? Most are superficial and shallow, and they have no vision whatsoever. Can I tell you, night is coming, and no man can work when night comes. And being counted worthy to escape requires that we be the children of day and not the children of night because day, amen, is, is far spent in this hour and we've got to be ready to meet the Lord. It's prolonged, Brother Matt. This thing is protracted. I've been waiting for periods a long time and it can cause your faith to waver and because seemingly nothing is happening, then... But can you hold on? He may not come today, and he may not answer your prayer immediately. But Acts 3.19 says that there are times of refreshing. There are times and seasons. We know the Lord's soon to return. But there are times of refreshing for you and I, that God will ramp up our faith if we want that from God. If we want that, if we desire that, if we hunger and thirst after that, do we want the presence of God? Do we want the depth of God? Do we desire to be with Him? Stand all over this house. Brother Micah, come on. I prayed before I came here. I said, Lord, please, let it be as if it just felt like I preached 20 minutes. Oh, God. I'd rather be shot than drug. I don't want to drag anything out. Folks here tonight, 
There are people who are saying, he lingers. He's delaying his coming. And they sit on church pews. And, and their lives are totally, completely, like, dichotomized. And they sit on pews, and they go right out and live like demons. That's pretty scary. People do that. No, God says, I want all of you. Everything. He bought you with a price, brother. He brought, bought you with a price, sister. Don't you ever forget that price. It's free, but it costs something. Don't forget it. And he says, come. Just come. Amen. You want to escape? He says, come, pray, and watch. Guard your heart. Amen. Let's come and pray here tonight. Life is fragile, folks. You've heard the old cliche, handle with care.